as you'll hear, we talked about everything Grateful Company and our start, all the hurdles that we had to get through to get to the position that we're in. But mostly, I think what you'll find in this episode is the mentality, the mindset behind the owners of the company and what we believe are core pillars and necessary components to that mindset that you must have as an entrepreneur if you want to survive and thrive in today's market. Ultimately, our belief here through this episode is that we can leave you guys with some tidbits of information, some impactful statements here and tactics that you guys can then implement into your business. If you have business partners, we go into how to navigate those relationships. If you are scaling a company, we go into what are the most important things to focus on in the right timelines. If you are multi-vertically integrated in your operations, then we share a little bit of how we make decisions when it comes to who gets the ultimate say in what scenario. But I think in this podcast episode, you'll hear the synergy ultimately between myself, Boomer, Coda, that also exists behind the scenes with our other business partners. And that is ultimately what allows us to win is the synergy that we have as a team here. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. I'm super stoked about the episode today. I got a couple of buddies of mine that I've known for quite some time. We've had this booked on the calendar for at least a month, but maybe a little bit longer than that. I know we're all super busy, but this is just super exciting. And we're doing something a little bit different on this episode. Normally, we have people from the franchise space, but Dan and I were wanting to have a little bit more thought leaders on, people building businesses in the trenches, And that's what these guys are doing. And so I knew these guys back from a group I was involved with in college called Limitless. Shout out to our old mentor, Mark Hoverson. Love him to death, man. And he took us all under his wing. And now we're all doing really cool shit and all kinds of different businesses. So I'll just go one by one. We got three of you guys here. They're with Grateful Solar. I'm sorry, Grateful Company, because they have different verticals within that, which we'll dive into. But Grateful Solar is one of the main ones, from my understanding, but correct me. If I'm wrong there, but I'll let you guys introduce yourselves really quickly. We don't want to do the bios for you, but Tyler, why don't we start with you, then do Coda and then Boomer and just do a brief background and then we'll dive in and learn about what you guys do and take it from there. And by the way, Dan, my co-host, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? All righty. Tyler, take it away, man. I love it. What's up, guys? Great to be here. Christian, Dan, thank you guys so much for the invite. We've been really pumped about this podcast for the last month or so as well. My name's Tyler Tashiro. I'm the active COO here at Grateful Company. And essentially, my background is I got started in sales back in 2012 and was in sales from 2012 until around 2015, where I made a shift to marketing. Mark Hoverson, all of our previous mentor who passed away in 2018, him and I co-built three companies together in that time frame. Limitless, which was like the entrepreneurial incubator, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit today, as well as Invisible Empire, which is an internet marketing coaching company and a life insurance company called Solomon Life. And so when Mark passed away, I linked arms once again and reconnected with Coda and Booms in the business facet. And around 2020, early in the year, we launched a solar lead gen company because when COVID hit, door knocking wasn't a thing anymore. And so we were helping people do what we already knew how to do. And that transitioned into owning our solar company today and our home services company called Grateful Company. We've been running that for almost a full year now. And yeah, excited to share some of our wins and losses on today's episode and hopefully provide some light and insight to other entrepreneurs listening to this today. 
Well, I'll tell you this, just listening to you so far, you're going to have to send Christian and I, whatever your mic setup is, because you sound incredible on this podcast already. Thank you, bro. I don't know if it's the voice or the mic. You tell me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's probably the voice, but I like to pretend it's the mic so I can sound as good. <laughs> For sure. It's a little bit of both. My name is Boomer, and similar to Tyler, we got our start with Mark Hoverson way back in the day. Met Tyler, met Coda about 2013, 2014, and ever since, like we just clicked, and we always were running together as a little mini tribe, just trying to get our hands onto, or into rather, anything and everything that was going to build and grow our experience. And so inside of Grateful Company, I act kind of as the more moving into since Jordan's moving into like CSO, I'm kind of moving into a CMO type position, customer experience, really just like on the front lines of our branding and the voice of our company, how we relate to our homeowners and take care of them. And then also providing the overall customer experience for them. So they feel seen, heard and cared for in this industry where so many people are kind of neglected on the back end after the sales done. So that's kind of just a bow tie of my role. It's a super honor to be here. Christian, we've been watching you grow over the years and stuff. And man, dude, it's cool to have a full circle come back to this moment and just really honored and uh, really just grateful to be here, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Hell yeah. Well, Coda Iris, 28 years old. Uh, I'm the CEO here at Grateful Company. And uh, similar to Tyler, been in sales since 2012. I was that kid that was flipping electronics on eBay, you know, buying stuff off of Craigslist and selling it for more on eBay when I was 13 years old, helping dad with the rent, that type of thing. And so all I've known is sales. I got into door to door when I was, geez, 20 years old. This would have been 2015. It was my very first full summer of door to door sales. So I've done years and years of door knocking cold calling, all types of different things. And that's really my main day-to-day role. You know, in addition to just the higher level stuff with all the verticals is predominantly on the sales facing and growth capacity of Grateful Solar. And then sort of the higher level stuff with some of the other divisions as well. That's awesome, man. Were you just speaking somewhere or something like that? I could have sworn I saw that on Instagram or something. Yeah, I just got off stage at Door to Door Con. Like nobody knows about Door to Door Con unless you're in the Door to Door Sales world. It's like, is a really big deal if you're in door-to-door sales. And if you're not, you've never heard of it. So I think they had a couple thousand people at this one, man. It was big. And so they had a solar CEO panel, say five solar company CEOs that they picked. And so got to go up on stage and drop some bombs for those guys. It was fun. That's got to be a fun conference. A bunch of like people who could have the confidence to go door-to-door. I can imagine the nightlife during that conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'll say this. I'm like just coming off the tail end of being sick. I found out because the guy I got sick tested and he's got COVID. I'm like, oh, sick. Round two. But when I was just starting to get sick, they had this like nightlife night. Like everybody was going out. All the big wigs were going out after the dinner that we did. So I was like, all right, let me go out for a little bit. I'll have maybe like one Moscow mule and I'll call it a night. And we stayed out pretty late, but it was wild, man. Like, just picture a bunch of people who, like you said, they're all confident. Yeah. They're all like high energy, high intensity, very assertive. And all of them together in one place, it gets pretty nuts for sure. Where was the conference? Salt Lake City, Utah, the capital of door-to-door sales, you know, the Mormons. That's funny, man. <laughs> That's cool. I've heard of door-to-door con, which is why I was like, I'm pretty sure he was speaking there. That's pretty badass, man. So for the audience listening, 
it's a big deal. If you don't know Door to Door Con, that is a big deal. So we have three studs with us today. So it's a super treat. Thanks again for coming on. I guess before we dive into the Grateful Company and what you guys all do and all of that, and specifically into what you offer and how you built the business that you have, which is fantastic and continuing to grow to great clip, it seems. But let's touch briefly on Limitless for those that might be interested in that. I think that's kind of cool to go back to all of our roots, how we all got connected originally and that sort of thing. Tyler, do you want to start with that? Yeah, man. So to give the audience a little background in Limitless, essentially it was myself, Mark, and a couple other people in the beginning like Coda who had networks of a ton of people who were like 18, 19-year-old aspiring entrepreneurs most of us coming from the network marketing world. And this is not to shit on network marketing, but Mark was kind of helping us bridge the gap between network marketing and the next phase of life and business. And for a lot of us, that's not the space that we wanted to necessarily end up in. It was the space that we got started in. And so during this time, you know, we all kind of got together. Christian, I, I believe you got brought in or, or something of the sort from Matt Shetler and like the connections to the Arizona crew over there. And it was amazing because, you know, as you guys know, we watched a community start with like just maybe five to 10 of us grow into 100, 200 plus thriving, like young in individuals who are really just all excited to soak in the information from somebody who did the caliber of things that Mark did, right? Eight-figure income earner, went from living in a trailer qualifying for welfare all the way to now mentoring hundreds and thousands of people. And like you said, Christian, I think this episode in Limitless especially, it gives a, an ultimate tribute. It's like a perfect example. When people talk about legacy, right? What does legacy mean? Legacy means that what you do and the impact that you have lives on after you die. Mark is the best example that I know of of legacy because he has hundreds of entrepreneurs now living their life based on principles that he taught us succeeding and doing it the right way, treating people well, paying people well, and just ultimately doing the right thing at all times. And so it's incredible to look at everything and how things have shaken out because this is a goal of mine is like some people care about legacy, some people do not. I feel like legacy is a really true and a really real thing. And I've witnessed that firsthand through Mark and every day a part of Mark just I know is living through me and the decisions and the actions that I take, I'm always thinking about like, what will Mark do here? Like, how can I be the better version of myself? What would he advise me to do in this position? And if that's not legacy, I don't know what is. And so that's something that I hope to do. And I know the boys and I really hope to do is like, when we talk about a decade, two decades, three, four decades from now, when we've exited Grateful Company, when we you know have a conglomerate of portfolio companies that we're helping grow and scale and all of this good stuff that we have planned, ultimately, we know our impact is meant to be greater than that. Like our goal is to really truly reform education, especially for young entrepreneurial type males who don't really have an outlet today, who don't really know where to go, who don't get guidance, who don't learn about the necessary things that we had to get black eyes and you know bruises over for the last 10 years to actually learn because no one was really here to teach us. And so that's something that, you know, Limitless has really done is it's taken a bunch of kids who I believe had unlimited potential and still have gave them direction and a voice to listen to somebody who is not only wise in business, but wise in life and steered us all into our own directions. And, and as you said at the beginning of the episode, Christian, like you can take a look at the core guys of Limitless and all of us are doing some really incredible things in our own way. And, you know, all of that's credit to Mark. Boomer and Coda, you guys want to briefly share your thoughts about Limitless, maybe a top one, two, three things that you learned from Mark or maybe touch on the million dollar day or ultra reading or something like that? Yeah. My life wouldn't be the same if I hadn't found Limitless. And if you're listening to this right now, no matter what age you are, young, old, or somewhere in between, like there's still time to find direction and to get onto the right path. 
to lead you to where you ultimately want to go. I mean, there are so many different lessons that we've gained in Limitless while we were inside of the program. And then also, you know, even outside of the program, like Tyler, we're growing every single day. And, you know, I can go through an old journal entry way back or an old limitless training. And now my perception is completely different and I can take different lessons and golden nuggets and apply them to my real life, real time and have just a glowing outcome and know that these, you know, foundations, like it taught us to anchor to foundation that is sound and sturdy that will, you know, allow you to just continually blast off in your life. And really, we find ourselves kind of blowing ourselves away, what seems like every single day now. But coming back to these principles and life lessons is truly, truly invaluable for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Echoing what they said, it's weird. It's a trip to look at like how young we can access a mind like that. Stupid, stupid grateful, stupid lucky. Mm. Like I don't use the term luck that often, but like that's kind of weirdly lucky, honestly, like the fact that we had the opportunity at such a young age, knowing absolutely nothing, like I know specifically for me and for Tyler and for Boomer and probably a lot of the other people too, none of us knew what success looked like up until that. Like we didn't really know at all like how to make money, what businesses made money. We didn't come from wealth. And so being able to be around somebody, it's like, you know, at that age, I look at him, I'm like, oh, this is a god. I'm like, look at this guy, tens of millions of dollars, gets to work when he wants, gets to like mm-hmm. work with his shirt off if he wants to, because he works from home. Like he'll have an entire day where he's making like $30,000 today and he didn't do anything but go and maybe golf or play cornhole with the kids and go to restaurants. I'm like, who is this guy? This like allure of a person, this like mystique about Mark that was just like so weird to me when I was, you know, 18 years old. Mm. And I'm like, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Like Boomer said now, almost a decade later from when we first met him to look back at some of the things that he was teaching us and not only realize, holy shit, we've been able to integrate so many lessons and go to so many different levels in business and life and success because of the lessons, but also just from like an observation standpoint, watching him, not just from the teachings and the lessons and the trainings, but like his actions and realizing have a big impact on me today as a dad, as a husband, yes. you know, my son's almost five, which is crazy to say, but a lot of the way that I interact with Nixon and teach him and surround him with, you know, my friends who have the right mentality and good perspectives and a healthy mindset, a uh, positive attitude, just like little stuff like that, that seems nuanced or like you wouldn't really think about. It's been able to leave such a good impact on it all the people in my life just off of what I was able to integrate off of his teachings, off of his example. So dude, it's wild. Like it's so cool. We say like all roads lead back to Vima, but in a lot of ways also like all roads lead back to Limitless because it's like (laughs) Vima was the initial introduction for a lot of us. You know, this network marketing company, we're all selling energy drinks, slinging it. And then it kind of like filtered down to like the really serious people happen to get into Limitless. And like each level as this progression kind of happened, higher levels of success came out of it. You know, you look at what you guys are doing, what we're doing, Chris Stapleton and Landon, like there's so many of us that are just crushing in different industries. And it's like, well, it kind of ties all back in a big way to Mark and to Limitless. That's sick. Can I bow tie this with some tangible value for your listeners real quick? Because like hearing the story is one thing. Here's one thing that you guys can do. And this is actually like 
one of my core beliefs as a person, I think that if you don't grow up with people in your immediate network who can teach you the things that are necessary to succeed, one of the hardest things for the average person to do is unbrainwash themselves from all of the shitty advice that they've gotten, all of the shitty beliefs that they've gotten. And it takes a lot of time. And if you can get yourself early, what I mean by early is like, it's the saying of like, when's the best time to plant a tree 10 years ago? When's the second best time now? So if you don't have this in your life, like look for it now, no matter the age that you're at, but you have to unfuck yourself yeah. from all the things that have fucked you in the mm. past. For real. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but for real, like ahead, consistently <laughs> throughout our lives, especially if you grow up with parents who don't really know what it's like to make a lot of money. When you grow up with family members who are discouraging you of your dreams because they want you to take the safe route, the 50K a year guaranteed desk job, yada, yada, this and that. You have to unbrainwash yourself from things that literally aren't anything outside of their beliefs. And then forcing those beliefs on you and limiting the cap of your life based off of the shit that they've been telling you. And that is quite literally one of the hardest things that I've had to do going from parents who are super loving and caring and a great family and all of that, but just dead broke. You know what I mean? No fucking money. And then when I met Mark when I was 18, 19 and mentored under him, it was slowly reforming the way that I thought. And now today, you know, it's as if I got to grow up with like rich dad, poor dad. Like Mark was the rich dad. He was teaching all of us the things that our parents really could not based on their experiences. And so that's one of the most powerful things I think people can do. It doesn't matter if you're 45 or 15 years old, you have to get around people who can help you unbrainwash the shit that is going to keep you trapped and reprogram you with the shit that's going to set you free. Boom. I mean, I think that that's what I wanted to say too. I mean, just getting a mastermind, getting a mentorship, being a part of a network of people where you have people that think differently than the average Joe does. Shameless plug for what Dan and I do. I think that's one of the benefits of joining a franchise system or at least you know a good franchise system. But Dan, it would have been really cool to have you on Limitless, man. I think you would have fit in, dude, like a love. I was going to say, like, are you really an entrepreneur if you haven't been part of an MLM at one point? Like I did my days. I did Amway in high school. <laughs> I did my thing, Amway. I looked into that, the one, the energy drink. I had a friend that was doing that. I think I didn't have like the money or something like at that moment to buy a case or I forget what it was, but I don't know about you guys, but I knew I was an entrepreneur since I was like a little kid. And then like, I was in like future business leaders of America, which we had, thankfully I had in my school as a program. And you're so right though, right? Like I was watching an Alex Hermosi post the other day and he said something like, you can't get advice from anyone that's vision for you is smaller than your vision for you. So even your parents or your siblings or your friends, like if their vision for you is smaller than your vision for you, then they can't give you advice. You got to like literally wash out their advice when it comes to your career. And I really thought that was interesting because like for me, like mm. since I was a young kid, like no one's advice really made sense for what I wanted to do. And probably for you guys now, right? Like when you say, hey, we've been successful, we've built a multi, multi-million dollar organization, and now we want to scale that to other portfolio companies or to other verticals, I bet people still look at you like, yeah, right. Even though you've been successful, like people will doubt that you can do it again or that you can do it bigger. And so like, I think it's cool that you guys have each other to be able to lean into and say, no, actually, dude, you could do bigger than you're saying. Think bigger. Yeah. It feeds into itself. Yeah, it does. I honestly, like, I think that that's the luckiest thing. The only thing I was going to add to that is like, it's really funny and interesting and it's a nuanced thing to have this many partners, when we talk about how many partners we have at an ownership level, people are like, what? Like, that's not going to work. You're going to fail. This is going to... And it's kind of like the secret sauce, the Krabby Patty, you know, like it does have a lot of challenges for sure. We have to 
communicate very, very delicate, not delicately, but intentionally. We have to because there's so many of us and we're all working on so many things in different verticals at all times. And so we got to make sure we're on the same page. We got to make sure that we're communicating really well. We have to make sure that we're rowing in the same direction. We have to make sure that like mentally, emotionally, like things that you don't think about, like our personal lives are in check because you can tell if one of the partners is going through some personal things, all of a sudden it just starts to slow down. And then we have to rally around that person and build up and kind of like pull that slack a little bit while they're getting through that. And then, you know, when we're in momentum, it's like, we got to double down. We got to communicate with each other and like stoke the fire. And we're in that stage right now where we're in some serious momentum on all fronts and you can feel the energy, but it's like when it's good, it's good. But when it's off, it's a fine line of like, if we let it go too far bad with more than one or two or three partners that are off, that could be a serious challenge. And so we've had to learn a lot about navigating big decisions, navigating growth, navigating stagnation periods, you know, with this many partners. And a lot of it comes down to Dan, what you said is like the communication of that big vision with each other and like helping each other think bigger and think positive and infecting each other that energy on a consistent basis. Yeah. And Boomer, I'd imagine that having clearly defined roles too, where you're not stepping on each other's toes. And I'm sure that helps a lot also, right? You have the same vision, but you guys have your own segment of the vision that you're responsible for carrying out. How has that helped you guys, would you say, Boomer? I believe that each one of our partners has a very unique, specific skill set that they bring to the table. And we all understand that. And we all know individually that working on those skill sets, deepening them, like there's a period, you know, probably several months ago where I realized I was like, man, like, I'm not studying the thing that I want to be friggin' great at, which is customer experience, like dialing in, like getting so deep with the craft that my creativity felt low, whatever the case. And, you know, we had a conversation about this with all the partners and it was something that was pointed out and it was like, oh man, like I got to get to go off of what Coda said, I got to get back in alignment here and go so deep in all of this because this is my domain. This is my skill set. This is how I contribute to this vision. And so, you know, having all the partners kind of reflecting back to you, almost like a mirror. I think of this and, you know, you and Dan are in a marriage of sorts, but we have like this six, seven way marriage that is happening where we're all partners and, you know, we all want the same things. And so anytime we point something out with each other, it's not to like go bad on that one person, but really to just like call them up. And so we all have our own unique skill sets that we bring to the table. And we all realize that what we're responsible for. And it's cool because each individual partner, it's healthy to a point, but it can be toxic in some other senses, is that we are the most ruthless critics with ourselves. And so sometimes we have to even reach out to each other and offer compassion and guidance and just that reaffirmation that, hey, like we're all in this together. And yeah, man, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Like Coda said that people look at us sometimes like we're crazy to have this many partners, but for some reason with our group, like it just works out and it's the challenge that we all like, I don't know what your beliefs are, 
But if you believe in like soul contracts, it's like we all sign this soul contract to come down here and to face this ruthless challenge that's going to pay off and impact so many lives. And so I think that's really important for us. We constantly remember our impact and how we're showing up for ourselves, the legacy that we're going to leave for our family. And that ultimately helps us, you know, stay defined in our roles. And sometimes it's like, hey, are we in the right seat right now? And things have to shift around. And so I think we do a really good job at being malleable to a degree so that we're always able to remain fluid towards that goal and ultimate, you know, realization of our goals. So just to piggyback on that with a question, a lot of our listeners are either franchisees in partnerships or potential business owners that may want to enter into a partnership. Christian touched on kind of dividing or drawing a line in the sand between roles and responsibilities. But how do you guys do that? Like, does each person have like kind of like veto power of like, hey, like this is my area. We're going to all, you know, talk, but I'm kind of the decision maker in there. Like, how do you guys break that up when it comes to making decisions? Yeah. So this is a great question because I think ultimately partnerships fail because of communication. And so to start off with like a foundational belief, this is what I actually believe is going to allow us to not only, it's not only what's allowed us to get to the point that we're at, but it's going to allow us to get to where we know we want to go, right? Which is eventually an exit for five to $10 billion in the next five to 10 years based on everything being put together at the right time, right timing with everything, yada, yada. So I think foundationally for any type of partnership, whether it's a partnership with your spouse, whether it's a partnership with a business partner or relationship with a family member or friend, that relationship is ultimately determined by communication and how well parties communicate with each other. And if there's lack of communication, typically the partnerships or the relationships suck and there's no real way around it. And so here's what I know fundamentally and the team knows fundamentally, which allows us to make really good decisions and have each other's back. And ultimately, like you said, Christian, we'll get to like the veto power and the decision-making. But I know that Coda and Boomer and Jordan and the rest of our partners, like we truly care about each other. And there's nothing in this world that I want more than Coda to have an amazing life for Nixon to have everything that he's ever wanted for Kelsey, his wife to have everything she's ever wanted. And for that, for every single respective partner, their kids, their family, and all of that, like really that's like a main priority in my life is making sure that their families are taken care of. And I know it's the same, you know, the opposite direction. And so when hard conversations happen, we don't have to fucking tiptoe like most people do. Oh, I don't know. If, let me hand you this shit sandwich where it's like, oh, good job, buddy, for this and that. By the way, here's the thing that you need to work on. By the way, you're still amazing, right? Like all this super soft bullshit <laughs> that goes on in most relationships, we don't need that because ultimately I know Koda cares about me. He knows I care about him. So if there's shit that we need to address, we don't need to tiptoe around. It's like, bro, we need to fix this. And then we communicate about it. It doesn't go non-communicated. There's not weird tiptoeiness around it. It's direct and it's factual and it's not emotional. And it's just like, hey, this is what's happening. Here's ways in which we can fix it. Which one do you think would work the best? Let's do that. Let's all get on the same page. And I think if you can have that fundamentally, you can have truthful and easy conversations with the people in your life. It can go with the same thing with your spouse. Like me and Katie, we have great communication. We've been together for about 10 years now. And the reason why our relationship is so solid is because there aren't rocks that are unturned. Like everything is uncovered. Everything that bothers me that she does, she's heard. Everything that I do that bothers her, I've heard. Like there's no weird middle ground here where there's lack of communication, therefore leading to mm -hmm. a lesser relationship. Why? Because we care about each other. And the people that you care about, you have the hard conversations with. And the people you don't care about, you don't care to have the hard conversation with because it's like, hey, 
if that person, you know, fucks up, like, I don't really care. Like, you know what I mean? And so that's why I think it works between us. It's because we actually genuinely care about each other's futures individually. And knowing that allows us to have the hard conversations rather when they need to be had for the big picture stuff and make it really, really freaking easy. But what do you do when you all three of you are like, we're, we're torn on a decision like on like yeah. what lead spend you want to do or whatever? Like, how do you decide? Yeah, so each person kind of leads their own vertical, right? We have an eight-sided coin and whatever side lands on, that's the partner that gets to make the decision. No, so each person leads their own vertical of sorts. So let's say we have alternative ideas around what we should do for residential solar, for example. Well, Coda is ultimately the head of that department. So all decisions, although we will add our input and fight hard to provide insight as to why we think X, Y, and Z might happen if we go down that route, ultimately we give Coda our 1000% full support in the decision that he makes, knowing that that is his role. He knows the most about it. That is literally what his role is within our organization. And if any of us feel like you know, we know more than him. It's just objectively untrue about that, right? And it's the same thing for like creative and CX. Boomer will know that more than anyone in the company. And so because of that, when things come down to, should we go left or right? Ultimately, it's up to Boomer's discretion and we back Boomer. And even when we make mistakes, we fix the mistakes together. Do you know what I mean? But ultimately we have each other's backing in the decisions in which the lanes like that, that we ultimately control. I think it's really cool. Like you think about that book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko, Willink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willink. So like I have a cousin and he's crazy just like me, but in a different way. He's 38 and he just became like a PJ or he's about to become. And I don't know how he got in. It's like everyone's 21 and like it's insane that he's physically fit enough to get in at like such a, you know, later, not, that's not old, but in that world it's old. And so anyway, he's obviously in great shape mentally, whatever. But one of the things he said to me was what I like about being part of this team that he's joined is that those guys all had to pass like a test to get in. And so like when you're going into a mission, like you know that the guy next to you has your back. Like you don't have to really think about it. He got in for a reason. I think it's cool that it sounds like you guys come from like this community where you know if you went through that, you got each other's back. And Christian, it's interesting just knowing you, like I can see some of those things are definitely like rooted in your personality because there's so many times where all the things you guys have said, you exemplify those core values. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to be rooted in relationships. And if you do have that root, like Tyler was saying, then you should be able to have those crucial conversations, those tough conversations. I think too many people in our generation, millennials, but Gen Z, I'm sure is even worse because they don't know how to deal with conflict. They're hiding behind screens. Most of them have never done a sales role, so they don't know how to have conversations, face rejection, any of this stuff. And so I think that a lot of people are taught conflict avoidance. And so rather than nip the issue in the butt. And more likely than not, if you address it up front rather than let it fester, it's not going to be as big of an issue. And you might even realize that you're on the same page or whatever it is, but you can at least deal with it now versus having to deal with it later. Most people let problems fester. And that's when you have a little molehill become a mountain because you didn't deal with it 10 weeks ago, a year ago when it needed to be. And so having that relationship, I think, allows you to cut the bullshit, frankly, like kind of like Tyler was saying, I think that's so raw and so true. And I think the proof is in the pudding, guys. I mean, it's working, right? And that's what Boomer was saying, you know, if it's working and you guys have momentum, like Coda was saying, then who the hell is anyone else to say, right? So let's pivot and talk a little bit about that then. I mean, let's talk about some of the momentum you guys have had and what you built up to this point and go from there. Coda, do you want to share your thoughts there first? 
Hey guys, if you're in this episode, checking out the Franchise Founders Podcast, this is one exciting episode, learning a ton. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit the like button, hit the five stars, give us a review. I was looking yesterday, we had over 170 downloads in like the past couple days, and that's awesome. But what we need is we need reviews because we don't have any. So please, if you can, hit the review button, write a little thing that you can. And if you're in franchising, hope to see you at IFA convention coming up in February. I'll be there. Christian, I think, may be there. And if you're interested in meeting up, give us a quick message. Yeah, so last year was nuts, man. So we came together and we started off the year February. We were just a sales company. We're like, let's move to Houston. Let's consolidate. We had an office in Colorado Springs. We had a small office in Los Angeles, California. And we had our biggest office in Houston, Texas. So we're like, cool, Houston's our biggest office. Let's go all in on one, the concept of the one thing, Gary Keller, great book. And so me and my partner, James, pick up and we move out to Houston. And wives are obviously not stoked. Like I've dragged my wife across the country. I think in the last five, six years since being together, we've lived in 13 places now, which is just unreal. Wow. And so getting her bought in was tough. It was not easy, you know, moving the sun. And so we move out. Me and James go out there a week before we go. Our entire team picks up in Texas and leaves to another company a week before we go out there. And so we're like six. So we're picking up our entire lives and going out to Houston, Texas with no team. Wait, 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 wait. Don't just skim over that. Here's the real story. We're paying for all of these reps' livelihood, their housing, all of their knocking apps, uniforms, everything. Meanwhile, a couple of our leaders at that time, and this is just a learning lesson for us. Like we got to get better vetting people. That's what we learned. They are signing under the table contracts with other solar company leaders, taking on sign-on bonuses, still living in our home, still using our resources. But when they go out and knock for the last week or two, signing deals for this other company, little do we know. And then one day they call Coda and I to a meeting and let us know that the entire squad is moving over. So now just for curiosity, I know people have different opinions on this. But like, did you have non-compete, non-solicit? So like, how did they do that? Technically, they breached their agreement. We do have, while you're with us, you're not allowed to directly work with any other company. We're of the belief that like, and here's the thing, legally, could we have gone after them? Sure. You know, could we have collected on some of the things? Sure. But it's like, I've spent a lot of time, and I'm sure Tyler and Boomer can relate. I've been screwed over time and time again, and door to door by different companies. So many times. It's almost wild. In fact, in door to door, it's almost more likely that you're going to get screwed over than not. It's that crazy. It's such a cutthroat industry. And there's just so many people that don't get the commissions they're promised, so on and so forth. And when those times would happen, I'd ask myself, you know, do I lawyer up, fight, spend months and months and thousands of dollars to eventually win, make a little bit of money and go through that for six months? Or would my attention be better served? Not necessarily forgiving, you know, like it's not that easy to just be like, Hey, like you're a great person. Like I'm not going to forget about that. But to direct that energy towards production and positivity and abundance. And it's always been my approach, like always. Because even if I win, that's six months of negative energy. That's six months of suffering and six months of stress when I can be directing that towards building rather than tearing down. And so we're like, well, let's go produce. So we had nothing, like Tyler said, like we cut them. We didn't work with those guys anymore. They left the other company. We didn't go after them for charges. We did get like, a couple things back, like the fridge that we bought that was brand new and like a couple things. But realistically, we lost like thousands of dollars. It was just like a wash. And so we took a bath and some of that money and we started building fresh. It was me and James knocking doors because we didn't have a door team there anymore. And so me and him 
after, you know, decade of freaking knocking doors, we're back in the streets, knocking doors, putting up, like producing to get the company some cash. About a month later, meanwhile, we meet our partner, Blake Kennedy out there. And I'm trying to consolidate the most important things in this story in such a short time because it's crazy what's happened in less than a year. Blake and I had messaged over Instagram and we decided to meet up in person. We were going to use his office actually to film some training videos. And so I meet him up in person. We're talking to him about what we got going on. He's talking to me about his vision for himself and some of the stuff that he's working on. And so I introduced Blake to the rest of the team. We get on a call. We decide to basically form this ultimate partnership to become vertically integrated and go in-house with solar instead of just selling the contracts for other installers. So we became in-house installing our own deals in March. So a month after moving out there, we're like, we're going to do our own installs. And like, that's a big thing. <laughs> like to do that in 30 days of moving out there with nothing and no team. Like it was crazy to even attempt that. So we do that. Blake's experience in the past has a very extensive finance background. He's done a lot in merchant cash advance, raising funds, raising capital. Uh, he's also got an extensive background in roofing and construction and did a lot of storm and restoration work with him and his father. And so they decided to partner with us on the roofing side. And we launched that company. They kind of had like a small roofing company behind the scenes at that point. But we really started doing stuff with the roofing company later that year. And at first, for a few months, it was just to facilitate solar projects when they needed a new roof. We we're just going to tie it in with the solar financing to get it done. And keep in mind, like we're cranking this whole time. There's about a six month span where we're just cranking. We're picking up momentum. You know, we're building. We're building. Every month we grew. We grew more and more. I think we're going at like fifty percent a month for like six months on the solar side. So pretty significant growth. And then we find out that Hurricane Ian is about to come into Florida. And so Blake and Mark pull us aside. They're like, hey guys, this is about to be one of the biggest hurricanes of all time. We should seriously look into deploying a roofing team and, and going out there to number one, first and foremost, help these people out because there's going to be a ridiculous amount of homeowners that literally have no roofs. Like do not have a roof or their roof is leaking and they're flooded and they're destroyed and they cannot live in their own. And then number two, it's just going to be a massive opportunity for the next one to two years for all these insurance claims and the aftermath of the damages from this hurricane. And so we rally, we decided to acquire a company of a friend of ours that had a company out there in Florida so that we can immediately have the licensing, the crews, the reviews, everything that way. So we acquired that company and we open up Florida. Home Pros is our roofing company now. And they go out there and they just crush for the first two and a half, three months, whatever it was. Tyler, what was it like two months before the end of the year when that hit? Yeah, we started in Florida probably towards the middle of October was like the actual start date. So we got about 10 weeks before the end of the year and you know, however many weeks have gone by this year so far, but we're killing it out there. Yeah, and so crushing it when they first started out there, a uh, very small team. I think we had less than 10 guys out there at the time those first 10 weeks. And we finished out the year between panel procurement, which is one of our divisions, residential solar, commercial solar. Actually, commercial solar didn't have any revenue at that time. And then the residential roofing, I think we did just over 20 million. Tyler probably knows the exact number. And we, yeah, had a big year. It's nine months of work. And that's what we were able to accomplish. And so now going into this year, we're like, how do we 200x? <laughs> like, is it? Actually, like, like legitimately, the number is 20x is our goal for this year. I feel like we need to pause again because I think you have a habit of saying things that are incredible and like, just like, yeah, 20 million. Is, can we go back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys ask the questions because it is crazy. And like, I'll do phone calls and podcasts and I'm like, this is like a 10 podcast series that we're trying to cramp. And that's honestly how it yeah. felt when we were building this. I'm not kidding. As Tyler, as Boomer, mm -hmm. as James, Blake, Jordan, Mark, it felt like 10 years of our lives 
in this nine month span because of how much we got done. So let's touch on this for a second. So you got these teammates out there, you paid for travel and, and moving and homes and everything related. And you're moving out there with your families to go do this. And as you're getting there, not only did your managers leave to go to another company, but they took all of your team, which in my opinion, like I draw the line at like, I just hired a new team and I was like, look, like non-compete, like, look, it's a small industry. If you want to leave, I can't control that. I didn't do enough to make you happy. Go to the competitor, but here's a confidentiality agreement you can't share. And I think there's a line in the sand of like taking all the people, right? You take one person, I get it. But to take all your people, I feel like it's just like a blatant like, yeah. And here's the thing, Dan, to touch on that, it was really slimy. And by the time that we got caught wind of the situation, it was just too late. Like they corrupted the minds of, of the sales org. And like, we just viewed it as like, all right, like Coda said, this is just bad energy. And even if we could retain half the people and convince them not to leave and share with them the actuality of what happened and this and that, would it really matter? Because they already have like this weird taste in their mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so- We just decided to start from refresh. Here's the thing. Like our team is committed to a few different principles, but one of them is just like, we can't lose if we don't stop. Like truly, we literally, as long as we just continue moving forward, some days will suck. Some days will feel good. doesn't fucking matter. We're just going to keep moving forward. And that's what we did. And you know, it's funny because even, you know, this week we're looking at our numbers for the last 30 days and we're like, oh, we got to up production in this way and that way. But we take a pause to kind of gain the whole perspective of, remember where we were at this time last year? All right, cool. Me too. Because that time really fucking sucked. And I remember those days being really, really painful. And I just wished for days like today. And so let's just take a break and remember like how much we moved the ball here in the last year. All right, back to addressing, you know, the necessary volume and this and that. That's awesome. But you pivot. Like, I'm just going back in the story. You pivot, you go out there, you get rid of the dead weight, you focus on improving. But with listeners that have roofing companies, like, How do you go to, is it the door to door? Like, let's just break down, like from a simple standpoint, how do you do so much revenue so quickly in roofing? I look at it this way. There's multiple categories within all the businesses, right? And one thing that does help us for sure, and the advantage that we have is each of us has our strong suits in each of these sort of roles and mindsets in the business that determine success. So operations, right? That's one systems and processes and tech and software, all of the kind of glue, that's another one. You've got the branding and the exposure and the awareness, that's another one. Then you've got actual marketing, putting dollars into something, campaigns, flyers, physical, online, digital, all of that. And then you have sales. We got very crystal clear on first and foremost, we will do whatever the fuck it takes to win and win big. We had ultimate clarity over the big vision here. And so it was like, I think that's one thing that right off the bat helped us a lot is even in those moments where it's like we have nothing, other companies on the outside will look and be like, oh, you guys are nothing. You guys are have no company. We were like, we see this multi-billion dollar conglomerate clear as day and all of us have unwavering belief that we will receive that and we will achieve that. So that's the first thing is like, no one ever questioned it. Even if it looked like it was, there was no chance, even if it looked like it was impossible, all of us were like, first and foremost, we know this is going to happen. And then it's like, okay, cool. What are the first things that matter the most? First and foremost, it's sales. That's it. Like we need to produce revenue. We have nothing here. So step one is revenue activities. I call it MMAs, money making activities. And so me and James, we're the ones with the door knocking experience. We're knocking doors. So the entire company in the beginning was funded off of me and James walking up to random streets in Houston, Texas, knocking on doors and selling customers on solar. 
right? After we had a little bit of a base of that, let's bring in a few guys. We brought in a few guys. We trained them while we were knocking. We knocked with them a little bit more. Okay, cool. Now let's build some of our systems and processes so that we can potentially recruit more people. Simultaneously in the background, while we're doing the MMAs, we've got Tyler, Boomer, Jordan working behind the scenes to establish SOPs, right? Standard operating procedures, building out different templates of what we can do on the operations side, figuring out at scale how we're going to have this process go from start to finish from the installation side so that it's extremely smooth and we can condense time and cut costs, right? While still having good efficiency. You got Boomer who's like, I'm going to build this brand and I'm going to work in the creative department so that as we start to scale, we can document, share, and publicize some of this stuff. And so everybody knew the roles, but most importantly, we knew the priority of what needed to be done when. We weren't wasting a ton of time on these fancy things and like, let's build a marketing plan. Let's do this. It's like, no, like we have no money. Let's go make money. And we just did that first. And then we just continued to ramp it up and scale it up. And you know, there were like little ebbs and flows. Middle of the year, we brought on a sales dealer. They told us they wouldn't have more than 30% of their deals canceled if they worked with us. They had. 60% 60% of their deals cancel. So more than double what they said the worst case scenario would be. That hurt us financially. We had to pivot. And so that set us back a little bit on volume. It's like, how do we communicate as a team to sort of spread out that burden so that we can still not lose the momentum on the most important things? And that's a really, really difficult thing is a lot of times I feel like people have a roadblock. They have a problem hit them. They get punched in the face and they direct all of the attention to solving the problem. By the time the problem is solved, they're back to square one. They have to rebuild that momentum again. So one of the most challenging things to do is how can you step back when you get punched in the face briefly, not for a long period of time, and think strategically, how can I still move my core business, my core revenue streams forward and maintain that momentum while I'm simultaneously solving this problem? And the better we get at that, like we solve one, and then now we get punched in the face twice. And then we get punched in the face three times, and then four times. And each time, we just get slightly better and slightly more efficient at solving those problems while growing the business. And now it's sort of a mixture of like extremely dialed-in systems, processes, calls. like Everything that we do is extremely organized and systemized now. But like we just hustled our way to 20 million. Anybody can hustle their way to probably 20 or 50 million, especially in the home services space because it's higher contract, higher ticket items. But like you want to make sure you're not just blindly doing that. Cause I see a lot of roofing companies, especially hustle their way into 10, 20 or 50 million, but they didn't build these processes while that happened. And they get to a point where one of two things happens. One, they hit the lid. They can never get past it because they're so in the weeds on maintaining the level of growth and business that they have that they don't have or make the time to find somebody on the back end to systemize and create operations and processes to hit that next level. Or two, they grew too quickly and they didn't have those systems and processes built to where they cannot keep up with the accelerated growth and they go out of business, which happens a lot. It's happening at an all-time accelerated rate right now because of what's going on in the world with the recession and financing and like interest rates. There's just so much that's at stake that if you grow too quick without those processes, those checks and balances, you're almost guaranteed to go out of business. Man, there's so many things you guys just shared that I just absolutely love. I love it because it's raw and it just goes to show what actual business ownership looks like. You're eating that shit sandwich again and again and again. What do you do as an entrepreneur? Who are you as an entrepreneur? You're a problem solver at the end of the day. And so you talked about all these different things that have happened. And those weren't little problems. Those were big problems. 
that for a lot of other people, maybe put them out of business or if they didn't have the mental fortitude and the fortitude of character and the relationships and friendships and vision that you guys have, maybe they wouldn't have persevered through that. But I want our audience to understand like this is what it often looks like. But you know, again, us being the franchise people, that's why we think, look, these guys are building it on their own and they're killing it. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh man, I would be kind of scared to do it on my own. Well, there are franchisors that can help you to do that and a network of other franchisees, people like these guys who can show you how to do it, avoid a lot of those pitfalls. And so, gosh, I mean, there's so much more I want to get out of you guys. Maybe we'll have to have you back on or something, but... I was about to say the same thing. We're going to have to have a second appearance with you guys. Thanks guys for listening. Boomer, myself and Coda, we're just honored to be here today and we're pumped to come on the next step here and drop a little bit more value here on the next one. Awesome. Thanks guys. Been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com.